We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we work and learn, and pay respect to the First Nations peoples and their elders past, present, and future. We're recording on Gadigal land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Play, a euphony podcast and powered by Yamaha headphones. I'm Tiana Speeder, your host. Each week, join me, my co-host Andrew Mast, and a bunch of amazing people from around the industry to dive into all things music this week, from new releases to trending musical moments, and even this week in musical history. Today, I'm also joined by the incredible Ewan rapper Nookie as our guest artist who takes us through his powerful new EP, Liebird Park, releasing, you guessed it, this week. Find Press Play on Instagram at Press Play Oz, where you can also follow along with our Press Play mixtape on Spotify and be sure to follow, subscribe and or leave us a love letter review if you like what you're hearing each week. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. Love music, press play. Now, it would usually be the time we jump into looking at new albums and EPs releasing this week. But before that, Press Play is briefly going to recap you on a very big moment in Australian music this week. I am talking, of course, about last night's ARIA Awards. And joining me now is my co-host, Andrew Mast. Masty, after what has been yet another incredibly challenging year for the music industry, the 2021 ARIA Awards were always going to be different. But as we both know and everyone saw last night, there were a few big changes and some big winners and there was even some red carpet action too, which we haven't really seen a lot of over the last two years. And ABC News dubbed this year's awards as the hip-hop and R&B ARIAs. Masty, what did you reckon? I was just happy how short they were. And I wish the barriers <laughs> could remain that short every year. Uh, the I've best been to, review of all time. <laughs> I've been to more than I can actually remember and I just remember how much they drag on. So I was very excited for how quickly they were over with. Mm. And uh, the MC, Brooke Bonnie, did such a great job. She should, should be given this um, permanently. But, yeah, it, it felt like there was a, a wave of fresh talent um, coming in and, and sweeping out all, all the all the old guard this year, and you know, I think it's important to uh, remember our heritage artists, but it's also exciting to see such a diverse uh, group of um, artists being recognised. However, I still felt that women were underrepresented this year, mm-hmm. despite them m- making the Best Artist Award gender neutral. Um, I, you know, I, I saw Middle Kids, I saw Genevieve Lacey. Um, you know, uh, Julia Stone, uh, to Kay Maidza, but, but not many more women represented. However, um, it was good to see such a, a fresh, diverse wave of, of, of artists winning. Absolutely. And like you did touch on, like one of the big changes was scrapping the gender-based awards. And it was also a bit of a change with how they actually showcased it. I mean, it was broadcast live on YouTube this year and obviously also on Nine Now, but I guess what we're seeing, like a lot of the artists that were scooping up the awards, like we did see the Grammy Awards this week announced too for the nominees. And I mean, the newly merged Best Artist Award obviously went to the Kid Leroy, but he beat out Keith Urban, Tones and I, Kyla Minogue, Vance Joy, Amy Shark, and like also taking home Best Pop Release. Best pop release for Stay featuring Justin Bieber, of course, and he did perform that track. Masty thoughts on the performance? I, um, it was a performance. That is, uh, what, what I was really impressed about is there were Grammy nominees all over the place. Yeah. And that shows you um, how Australian music now is being presented on a, on a world platform. Mm. Uh, but despite all those Grammy nominees, it was actually a night for Genesis Owusu, who took yeah. away four awards, uh, including Album of the Year. And it's a really exciting album, uh, really and. I, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say this, but I vote in the Arias and he, he, he scored a few votes from me. Um, so I was very, very excited to see, uh, to see him sweep through with those four awards. Yeah. And for an independent artist, like it was just so inspiring to see like his acceptance speeches were incredible. Like the stories just of his journey and even how people used to judge him when he was younger for how he dressed and what he did. 
and look at him absolutely owning the red carpet last night in a very big statement, plunging white jacket. I could never, ever in my entire life look that good, I think, in public. His speeches resonated on social media. People really related to the fact that um, he... He made a nod to, you know, being people at school picking on how he dressed and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other big takeaway from the night was Michael Gidinski being honoured and remembered mm-hmm. and they named the Breakthrough Artist Award after him and they celebrated his um, success rather than be mournful about the loss. And then the award went to uh, Bujira in an amazing win, in a really strong category, and what an emotional speech that was. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a young guy and, um, yeah, he, he just got overwhelmed and, and, and started crying through the speech. And um, I, I think it was a really deserving win. And I, I think Gadinsky would have been very, very um, pleased overall that throughout the night it, it was young versioning artists winning because that's very much what Gadinsky was about, was helping give these young artists a platform. Absolutely. And I feel like that ties in with like a big surprise for me, but a really welcome one was for some of the publicly voted ones, like song of the year went to none other than Spacey Jane beating again, like what an array, Amy Shark, Dean Lewis, Mars Wolf, Kid Laura, Tones and I, to name a few, like I did not see that coming, but I was so happy to see that happen. I've got to say that was the moment when my phone just started pinging. Um, (laughs) People were obviously really, really shocked but really overjoyed to see Spacey Jane step up and get that song of the year. That was a really nice win uh, through the night. And I've got to say, even though I've, I've talked about the um, the young ones, it was good seeing uh, Crowded House uh, take out an award for Best Adult Contemporary at uh, one point and, and bring some humour to the proceedings. Absolutely. There were some amazing things. I mean, some shocks, you know, there was no Amy Shark went home empty-handed. She Indeed. was nominated for six awards. There was also no Aria Hall of Fame inductee announced this year either, obviously. But last little highlight for me was seeing Greta Ray performing. She's incredible. And also the newly minted yellow wiggle, Sahai Hawkins, make her Aria's red carpet debut. Marcy, she's 16. She's still in high school. I hope she gets to come in late to school today. <laughs> I just reckon there'll be maybe a few less hungover people in the music industry than usual um, yes. after the after such a, a, a quick and non-public awards. Yes, an early wrap-up. Well, it definitely was not your regular arias, but one that, again, showcased and celebrated amazing diversity and some of the wonderful talent our industry has. Despite it all, the music industry has somehow continued to have this output. And if anyone if anyone was allowed to let their hair down last night for a bit, it is the music industry. Well, Marcy, that was fun, but let's now resume some regular press play programming. We're going to take a little closer look at some brand new EPs and albums dropping this week. As we roll into the last full week of November, there's still plenty of epic albums and EPs kicking around. First up, Canadian singer-songwriter Julie Dwabron is set to release her first solo record since 2012. With I Thought of You oozing in twangy charm and plenty of powerful guitar and vocal performances from this incredibly gifted storyteller. Retreating to the woods with collaborators to bring this album to life, I Thought of You is a tender and warm hug and well worth the wait for fans. Meanwhile, Metalcore Heroes Resolve arrive this week armed with their debut album, Between Me and the Machine. Cementing life as a band back in 2016 following previous projects parting ways, Resolve have settled into their sound and the new album is full of groove, grit and melodic mayhem. Set your senses to stun. And Seattle instrumental genre enigmas High Pulp are ready to dazzle you this week as well with their enticing brew of jazz, beat-driven R&B and synth-laden electronica. An electrifying outing that is a refreshing and modern take on jazz and surrounding genres, this is a tasty jam session on sonic steroids. And before we get stuck into even more new releases for this week, I'd better bring back my illustrious co-host and head of music for Euphony, Andrew Masters, with me once again for Press Play. Masty, here we are again with some incredible albums and EPs this week. It's always good to be in the Press Play studio. 
Oh, here we go for another week. Now, Masti, first up, I have great news. Oh, I'm as very excited about the first news. I, oh, I think you will like it. Um, <laughs> as we did touch on in last week's episode as well, one of our favourite feature albums, ABBA, is still riding high in the ARIA albums charts at number two, pipped only by Taylor Swift, which I think is quite respectable. But I'm also extremely excited to see another one of our feature albums debut in the top five. Courtney Barnett, of course, took out the fifth spot in an extremely competitive week. Yeah, that's a, that was a great uh, debut given how tough the competition was. But it's good to see her land in the top ten again. Yeah, absolutely. And another album that was mentioned in press play actually by our musical history and vinyl expert Steve Bell has actually re-entered the charts celebrating its 30th anniversary. Nirvana's Nevermind has flown back in at lucky slash unlucky number 13. Ah, that makes me feel old. I saw the tour where they were promoting that album when they played at the Palace in Melbourne. So, yeah, not it was old. A long that's time. awesome. That's a brag. That's a big brag that I'm very excited about. And I want to throw one in. Uh, one of our favourite singles recently was um, "Fuzz Jam" by the Lazy Eyes, and it's great to see Triple J absolutely slaying that. And it's been at the top of the Triple J playlist for the last few days, so it's getting a lot of airplay there. A lot of people getting to hear it. And we called that. We loved that one. Absolutely. What's not to love? A fuzz and a jam, Masty. Well, let's go into this week's albums and EPs. What are you bringing for us first today? Well, we're going to start off with one called Spiritual Misfit by Lady Lash. But first, I want to talk about something here that's been in the news this week. And that is Adele getting Spotify to default to playing an album in the order assigned by the artist. I never use the shuffle option <laughs> when listening to an album in full. Now, Me either. Be, well, I thought it maybe it's because I'm old and that's just how I was brought up listening to albums on vinyl in a way that, you you know, you'd have to lift the needle and move it around. And But I'd like to think it's more out of the respect of the artist. And I bring it up here, and we'll probably discuss it again later, because here is an album that is the perfect example of not wanting to hit the shuffle button. It is an album that unfolds in logical order, each song building upon the previous to create an overall tone and mood that takes the listener on a purposeful trip. Lady Lash's spiritual misfit is immaculately curated. It's a piece of art weaving together voice, sounds and music. It's an album that explores the relationship with our surrounds through, and I quote from the presser here, Rebirth, Death, Love and Hate. Lady Lash, and when you hear this album, you'll find this hard to believe, Lady Lash has previously recorded funk, soul and hip-hop music, but here creates an almost genre-defying collection of, you could call it post-witch house, but there's more a gothic undertone uh, that recalls the work of another local artist, Lisa Gerard and her band Dead Can Dance. And I don't want to single out any particular track here as a highlight because, I, and I cannot emphasise this enough, I truly believe it needs to be experienced as a whole. thoughts on this one Tiana? Oh I think I think you're absolutely right and anyone who did shuffle this before the change was missing out because the opening to the opening track Black Woman in the Flames on Spiritual Misfit is just jaw-droppingly gorgeous like this is a haunting sweltering and unforgettable album it's just packed full of ambient soundscapes and such a powerhouse vocal outing from Lady Lash herself I am always so excited and proud of the incredible talent in Australia but this is just a world-class outing. It's imagination brought to colourful life by a really eclectic and very exciting artist. Couldn't agree more. Haunting, a, a great way to describe this because I didn't even touch on how amazing her, the vocals are uh, th- across this album. Really, really blown away by this one. Me too. Oh, yeah, from the get-go. Absolutely hooked. <laughs> Well, for my first review today, Marcy, I'm taking a look into another collaboration album. I did touch on one last week, so I've accidentally got a theme, but 
It's a new album from Richard Dawson and Circle with English troubadour Dawson teaming up with the Finnish metal act Circle. Surprisingly, given this team up, the album title is a Finnish word. It's called Henki, which is roughly translated as the Finnish word for spirit or ghost. And as we saw with the lead single, Lily, the track was actually inspired by ghostly visions that Dawson's mum experienced when she was working as a nurse. But the word Henki overall is quite difficult to specifically and totally encapsulate in English. And I feel like that same theme is on full display throughout the album. Is it heavy metal? Is it an art rock explosion? Well, Marty, it's all of those things and more, including an ongoing love letter to plant themes as titles like Ivy, Lily, and I might butcher this, so plant people, please don't come at me, but Cooksonia indicate. Um, This is a beautifully unique and layered release from two very unlikely but very compatible collaborators. And for those who already know or don't know, Circle are quite renowned for wearing spandex and or dead fish on stage and making up languages, while Dawson is renowned for his folk influences, dark subject matter and tendencies to sing about pre-medieval peasants. But what I love best about this album is that the collab actually came about because Dawson and Circle were chatting back and forth on Twitter before Circle officially invited Dawson up on stage with them back in 2019 at a festival in Helsinki. And of that experience, Dawson declared, it was like being a teenager and suddenly being asked to go on stage with Iron Maiden. That's how important Circle are to Dawson. And here we are with this surprising yet enticing release. I find the most surprising thing about this is that two of them were having that conversation on Twitter and I just don't know how such different artists stumbled across each other on social media. And I guess I knew more about Circle than I did Richard Dawson, which probably surprised anyone that, that knows the kind of music I listen to. Let's not forget, it took me three goes to figure out who Richard Dawson was. First of all, I thought it was Richard Dawkins, the author, <laughs> doing some kind of spoken word project with Circle. Then I thought it was Richard Hawley. He used to be in Pulp doing some bonkers collaboration. But now that I've learned who Richard Dawson actually is, I'm ashamed that I wasn't aware of him earlier. But when you were talking about, you know, what territory this is, for me it just felt like uh, that ultimate prog rock um concept album sound that you used to get in the early to mid 70s yes. and there's and yeah there's some really great stuff here and um it's just surprising you know knowing circles background of lycra and, and richard dawson's background that they've created uh, something that's quite a beautiful project it really is that's so well put yes gorgeous and unexpected but gorgeous and speaking of beauty i'm going to segue into Diana's and their little glimmer album. Now, both this album and the Lady Lash one we spoke about earlier a part of a really exciting project coming out of Melbourne that is encouraging the revitalization of a local music scene that's just been ravaged by COVID restrictions. The city of Melbourne has funded this flash forward project that incorporates live music, new recordings and street art and involves, and I think the figure they give is 40, it involves 40 visual artists and 40 live music premieres presented in 40 of Melbourne's iconic CBD laneways in 2021. And we do have a lot of laneways. Um, I live just outside the city. I've seen um, some of the art uh, and it, it is, it's absolutely stunning and it's a great thing to bring people back into our city. The recorded element of this project is being issued through Heavy Machinery, which brings us to Diana's, which is also a collaboration with the Blossom Rock Records. This third album from the now Melbourne-based string pop trio is an impressive collection of 11 songs. And I love the shimmering guitars as showcased on tracks like For Us and also the very lush harmonies that are interweaved throughout all the songs across this album. There's also an embracing of a lo-fi style that really cuts through, uh, and I especially think of the up-tempo track Bliss. It feels like they've captured the band live. 
But the personal highlight for me is a track called One and Only where they've captured the essence of the dream pop genre and it's it's just a, a wonderfully spacious arrangement and it's just so encouraging that this project exists and we've been able to look at two local albums from this alone this week so keep an eye out for more of this that's coming out of Melbourne at the moment. It's not exciting that it had to have this to happen but isn't it nice to see something good come out of the whole pandemic thing and I'm very glad you said one and only that was my highlight as well like the second I heard that track those ethereal vocals and harmonies I you know it's hyperbole but I died and went to heaven I know they've been around for a good couple of years now but you know who would have thought pandemics lockdowns all this would produce such a celestial result and my favourite thing about them, aside from their music, I can't go past their band camp bio summing up that the band is a drunken conversation between friends that never ended. That is Music Girls right there. And what an absolute delight this album is. I'm so glad you chose this one this week. And I love too, on top of that description, that they actually started recording this like everyone in lockdown. So they were all separated. But to bring the album towards the end, they were all able to get back together and there was wine involved, uh, according to the band. <laughs> yeah, bring it on. I want more. If I, if I can produce an album like this with wine, yes. <laughs> now, another release I'm looking at today is one from Brisbane based producer and vocalist Lauka. I actually came across her in 2017 with her track, Dead to love me and cool youth gifting some glimmer and grit back in the day and I am beyond excited to see that she's back not just with one EP but this is now her second EP this week for the year titled Euphoria She released her debut EP, The Way Music Looks, earlier this year, and Lauka's proving to be an artist entirely fluent in merging electronic textures with hooky pop pizzazz. And it's been amazing to see her unfurl even further in the lead-up to releasing Euphoria. We've had stuff like the absolute anthem that is Hold Me, heavy with pitch shifts and digital rhythmics, and the slightly softened hyper gem as well that is Gradient. And while the tracks on the EP across the board are what I will call bubbling balloons of sonic candy. Case in point with Gradient, it showcases a lot of different sonic aspects, but she's also touching on some important underlying thematics behind the gloss. Again, with Gradient, it actually details her own personal experiences with displacement and confusion as an immigrant and a person of colour. So with Euphoria, you can call it what you like, whether it's electropop, turbocharged, or an offering from a rebel queen as she keeps being dubbed in multiple media outlets. One thing is for certain, Lauka is an artist in every sense of the word. She crafts pop dystopia with observational tinges and utterly mesmerizing dance chops that'll exhilarate as much as her impending EP title suggests. So if you like artists like Grimes, Banks or FKA Twigs and the like, check out this potion Aussie artist if you haven't already and prepare for genuine euphoria with this latest release. Masty, what did you think of this one? Well... Let's just lay this out. Hyperpop isn't a genre that's made for my demographic, so <laughs> probably a lot of this go, you know, is goes missing on me. But what I do like, there are little bits and pieces that that grab me. I like the jabbing synth string sounds and gradient, and that bottom end that is so low that my laptop was almost quivering, and I find <laughs> myself sitting here going. The production on this, the low end is so good without um, losing any of the quality in the sound. And that can be a really difficult thing to do when you're recording. And, and Hold Me takes me back to peak 90s dance radio station playlists. Um, yeah, this would have slotted in perfectly back then. And any station still playing that kind of music, this is good. So, um, you know, for, for hyper pop, yeah, I, I, I really, really appreciate um, some of the work that's gone into this. Yeah, I think and it's, you know, if we can kind of bridge the gap between the 90s and now, I feel like there's a nice little meeting point somewhere with this one. So it's good to hear. Well, Marcy, it is time now to review our feature album. And today it's a surprising turn from English rockers Deep Purple who are releasing Turning to Crime this week.
hear the name Deep Purple, thoughts turn to that riff from Smoke on the Water, aka the one riff everyone seems to play first when they start trying to learn how to play guitar. But Deep Purple are so much more than that riff, and as we all know, they're widely considered to be one of the key pioneers of heavy metal and modern hard rock, frequently labelled alongside Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath by you know, various rock journalists out there as the unholy trinity of British hard rock and heavy metal in the early to mid-70s. But for a band who first formed in the late 60s, it's no surprise that the band have traversed breakups, genre shifts and all the significant changes that could be held at you in, you know, 50-plus years of existence. And last year, fans caught the new album, Whoosh, with an exclamation mark, which was the group's 21st studio album and copped reviews that were extremely positive. I mean, Enemy labelled it as sounding nothing like contemporary music of 2020, but that maybe it's a good thing. And in 2021, it's a surprise new album. It's number 22 for the band in studio album territory. But Masti, as we found out, number 22 equals the first time Deep Purple have made an album entirely comprising of songs not written by the band. It's a Deep Purple covers album. And as a lot of my mates would attest, like people who do cover songs over and over and over, it does feel like committing musical crimes sometimes to play covers, especially when you're playing Flame Trees Night After Night when you'd rather be playing your own. But for Turning to Crime, this is actually, I I think you'll agree with me, it's actually a lot of fun. We've got Bob Dylan covers. We've got a jaunty rock and roll visit to Rocking Pneumonia and the Boogie Woogie Flu made famous, of course, by the Johnny Rivers cover. And I'm sorry, but their version of Fleetwood Mac's Orwell is so catchy and Steve Morse just goes absolutely ham on his solo seriously how can that not make you happy uh, what I like is they weren't obvious covers either I mean there was two or three absolute standards in there that you expected but the rest was was quite unexpected I, I grew up in a household with a family member who had deep purple on high rotation their 1970 single Black Knight remains a firm favorite of mine like I, I still go nuts every time I hear it that was probably my introduction to heavy music. I'm still happy to hear Smoke on the Water or their take on Hush. Let's not forget they used to do uh, covers <laughs> before this. And, and, yes, I understand that Machine Head is a landmark heavy music album. But over the years I've actually lost track of who's even in the band now and I was so grateful that the cover art actually spells it out with photos who's in the band now. And it was amazing. I did not expect this. Original member Ian Pace is still there. Roger Glover, who I think has been there since 69, and Ian Gillen, who's been in out and out of the band for different stints since 69. And, yeah, and just to hear them getting into the barroom boogie, was it was completely unexpected. In fact, we were surprised that this album even popped up on our radar and we had to actually go and hunt it down. Yep. And, and to turn out to, for it to be such a delight to listen to and there actually to be some country music, their cover of the Battle of New Orleans is really good fun. And when you hear them tackling a standard like CC Rider, Jenny Take a Rye, it could be any dad hobby band in any pub backroom in any suburb or town except The Plane. The Plane is beyond reproach. And they're obviously having a ball and it's really infectious. I agree. And I think an early review I read, it was on a blog called Marcus's Heavy Music Blog. So clearly he likes heavy music, but it sums up turning to crime perfectly. Deep Purple recording an album of cover versions isn't a crime. It's an homage to the roots of good old fashioned rock and roll. And that's obviously a genre Deep Purple are more than qualified to speak about. And I think it's less an homage. It's just pure entertainment that injects enough of Deep Purple without messing too much with the originals. And I just think it just shows an extremely prolific band's love, adoration and respect for their influences. And, and I love that we just did not see this coming. Me too. <laughs> such a, such and a good the album surprise. 22. So there you go. Know, purple, coming out with the goods. <laughs> well, we would love to know what you all reckon out there. Are you on board with Deep Purple busting out covers? Definitely let us know. You can drop into our Instagram at PressPlayOz, and that's OZ for Oz. And let us know, do you agree with me and Masti? Are you keen on Deep Purple's turning to crime? But before we jump into our next segment with our artist feature for this week, I'm going to say goodbye to Masti temporarily and I'm joined now by today's guest reviewer. 
Now, Mick Rad is back on the press play team this week. For those playing along at home, Mick, of course, kicked us off as our guest reviewer back in episode one. And Mick is also the host of the Tuck Shop on Sydney's 2SER and an encyclopedia of amazing musical knowledge. Mick, welcome back to Press Play. Hey, Tiana. Great to be back. Oh, it's fantastic to have you. And I believe you've got an awesome new release to chat about today once again. Yeah, Tiana. Um, it's, it is getting to the pointy end of the year. I mean, the releases aren't uh, I stick on the ground as they were, but this little gem is popping out this week and it's really, really exciting because we're talking about hearts and rockets. Now, um, if we all remember, our parents or, or grandparents used to tell us uh, we'd get square eyes if we watched the TV too much. Well, hearts and rockets have explored that theme and more on their brand new EP called TV is Boring. Um, now, this five-track EP from the Melbourne-based Brat Wave duo is a bit of a cheeky sort of a nostalgic look at the wonderful yet often wasteful black box that we all have. We can't really call it a box anymore now. It's more of a widescreen thing, isn't it? You know, yeah, it's but, like a yeah. thin rectangle, I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, Hearts and Rockets, uh, also known as Kalinda, sorry, Kalindi Williams and Kurt Eckhart. Um, they've released two albums of sort of post-punk, you know, raw fun over the last four and a half years. Back uh, back in 2017, they released Deadbeats. And have always established themselves as this, like, sharp, witty and really talented purveyors of that rock scene. Uh, they love incorporating some droning synth, 808 drums, rough and raw vocals, and they bring that all together in, with a love of the punk subgenre. Um, so while they've been working on their third album, which is actually due out next year, they actually come across a whole bunch of extra tracks they found. They went, oh what can we do with these? Let's put something out in 2021. So they've chucked them on an EP and they've themed them together into the TV TV theme and, and releasing it now. So it's pretty cool that you've got so many tracks you can go, oh, yeah, I can put out an EP as well. Um, and there's so much going on with this EP, even just on five tracks. Um, it, it kicks off with this track called On Off and it sort of sets the tone for what we're talking about here. There's this refrain going through it saying, turn it off, turn it off. And a line that says, I find myself in ice and water I don't prefer the law and order. I found myself in ice and water. I don't prefer the law to order. I start to think this house is haunted. I want a prize. It's I love that. I love that. <laughs> I feel personally attacked because I've been watching a lot of Law and Order SVU recently. So, yeah. oh, me too. I love the last SVU. But um, they pick up the pace with Square Eyes. So they've released on, off, and Square Eyes so far as the singles, and they're both quite different. Uh, Square Eyes is a bit more of a driving and pumpy song, and there's this amazing synth all the way through it as well. But as is the norm with Hearts and Rockets, they do this cool thing. They release all of their music on cassettes, which I reckon is a great novelty. I know that not everyone's got a cassette player nowadays. You might have to dust off your old Walkman <laughs> to listen to it, but it's such a cool novelty. And uh, they've sort of ditched the vinyl idea and jumped into cassettes instead. Um, but this EP also has a little secret track, uh, which I don't think... It is a secret, but it's also written on their Bandcamp page. So I don't think it's too bad to release what it is. But they're, they've covered Black Flag's TV party. Uh, obviously, it fits in really well with the theme. Um, this track was originally recorded back in 1982 by American hardcore punk crew, uh, led by Henry Rollins, of course, uh, back on 7-inch. So that, that bass that was in the original has really been replicated great by Kurt in this version, and he also does the vocals as well. This is a, a secret track, definitely worth listening to. It's a real fun ride and a great one to cover for this EP. Um, and then, Diana, we get to this epic track, which... Is at 13 minutes is longer than the rest of the whole EP. It's uh, it's a really amazing track, and it's called TV's Boring, the title track of the EP, and it's a real journey. But it's it's a it's a pretty tricky listen. Like it's actually quite a hard listen sometimes. But you really find yourself getting lost in it with this bass and these rollicking 808 beats just driving it through. So 13 minutes, it's a real journey, but I love it. Um, yeah, this EP just really showcases that sharp, observant and irreverent style that we've seen Hearts and Rockers do before and it's made them beloved members of that Australian punk community. Absolutely. And I think like 13 minutes is nearly a whole TV episode. So, you know, they've got to they gotta somehow compete with it, don't they? Which is awesome. And I love like everything you said, the post-punk vibes are real, the 808 drums are sizzling. And some of the call and response vocals, I really, really like that. Like 
like kind of an angsty B-52s is probably the only way I could put it. But I like that, yeah. And, <laughs> and it's a bit like yelling in the background sort of yeah. stuff, you know. Um, and it's all been recorded by Mikey Young, who people might know who was a member of Eddie Current Suppression Ring and Total Control, but he's worked with people like Royal Headache and Dick Diver, King Gizzard. So he's got a huge, huge um, resume and he's done a great job on this. Yeah, not too shabby company at all. And, yeah, I think the sweltering and staccato-driven stuff is incredible. It's an Aussie fever dream I definitely want more of. So I'm so glad you brought this one today because it's definitely one I will be giving a spin much, much more of maybe while I'm watching Law & Order. Who knows? <laughs> Probably not. No, no, no. <laughs> well, as always with any of the songs you hear in today's episode, you can listen to the songs in full as well as a heap of other new tunes dropping each day. Check out the Press Play mixtape on Spotify or jump on over to our Instagram at Press Play Oz and grab a listen. Thank you, Mick, for dropping by today. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a treat, always a treat having you. But now it is officially time for Press Play's artist feature segment. Originally stemming from a place of darkness and aggression earlier on, today's guest artist's journey on Press Play instead transformed feelings shaped by anger and hurt into power and positivity. With Sydney-based Ewan Nation hip-hop artist Nookie armed with a razor-sharp EP titled Liebird Park that releases this week. Yeah, they doing jobs and they hitting licks, but they don't really do it like this. Talk shit, get split. Talk shit, get split. Talk shit, get split. Talk shit, get split. Marking a follow-up to his 2019 triumph, Junction Court, Liebird Park pays homage to Nuki's hometown community in Ewan country, sharing its namesake with a local football ground in Nowra. And on his new EP, Liber Park, it's this very sense of pride, loyalty, honesty, and belonging that shines through, evolving from freestyle sessions and darker periods in his life into the triumphant and warrior-like end result, as Nookie explained to me earlier this week. Liber Park, so I uh, wrote this, well, I didn't actually write it. Like a lot of this is just freestyle sessions in, in the studio. I was, um, you know, I was kind of going through a lot and I wasn't really dealing with it too well. I was, you know, kind of turn the substance abuse and whatnot to try and mask the pain. And uh, this is the music I was making, <clears throat> making at that time. It was just me releasing, you know, frustration and anger and pain and whatnot in the in the studio. Um, I named it after one of the local footy footy fields back home in Nara, um, which you know is like a, a spot. It was in, you know. Now it was a pretty rough area all around, but like this uh, particular footy field was in like a, you know, a rough part of the rough town, you know. So um, uh, this was a place where it was, um, you know, a very innocent place. You know, community would go there and play footy and stuff, but, you know, there's a certain time, certain time, you know, night time, where the, the, the atmosphere kind of changes. Um, so it was kind of like I was drawn on that, looking at that it was like, me and the music like uh came into this with good intentions and like a pure heart but you know somewhere along the way i got lost there so that's why i kind of named it after that place because it's you know like a contrast of a, a very innocent place at one point and then it can turn pretty dark so that's um that's how yeah that's how library park came to be this um this project was like i didn't go in there and give it my all you know that was just me in there angry at some stuff it boom there's a song done you know what i mean like i never really went into this to like i'm really going to tap into some stuff and have a you know have a narrative have a, have a story like touch on some topics i'm not comfortable about this and that like it was just legit me going in there channeling what i needed to channel do it done that's it this i see this this just gave me the boost from what I needed to do, gave me that, that kick up the ass. you know what I mean? It's like, right, he, this is what you got to do. Done that now, now you got to do this again. You got to go back to that essence, like find the love again, you know? Renowned early in his career for his animated and engrossing brand of rap, Nookie's latest EP is an exciting level up. 
with Nookie teaming up with some local hip-hop's most respected producers and arriving this week via Bad Apples Music, aka the first Indigenous-owned and operated hip-hop label launched back in 2015 by the rapper and Aussie icon Briggs. With everything from drilling beats to loops, collaborations, and of course, a powerhouse showing from Nookie on the mic, Lyrebird Park allows the audience to both experience the present-day iteration of Nookie while also glancing back at his career so far. I look at like Junction Court was like I was on a collision course, you know what I mean? And this is this is me crashing and burning. Um, but like the it's such a weird thing to try and explain. It's like the music was keeping me around, but it was also taking me further, you know? Um so yeah, like all the pieces were kind of there. And I said, look, I've got to take a break. So yeah, I stepped back for a year, year and a bit, and all this was kind of just still sitting there, you know, and then um, during that time, getting sober and making, you know, some life choices and whatnot, it's like, okay, that music's sitting there, what do we do with it? So I kind of, you know, I tapped in some mates like Mansus to come in and um, redo a lot of the production on it to kind of give it that new life. Um yeah, and then again, like, I'm kind of using that as, like, an analogy, like, shit can change, you know, like, from, like I was at a bad point, and this is what I made in that life, in that moment, but now I'm feeling like this, maybe let's give this, you know, yeah, a touch of hope, let's let's redo some of this, like, all the vocals are still the same vocals, pretty much, we just redone a lot of the production, and, um, but yeah, definitely, like, there is a, a glimpse of hope, it just got me got me excited for what what I'm doing now, like all the stuff, you know, the new songs I've been working on. It's like I just, I just can't wait to, to next year. Like I found the spark again, you know. While Lyrebird Park overall features everything from rapid raps to looping strings and even a choir sample for good measure, there's still a few key songs on the EP that hold a special place in Nookie's heart. The definite standouts for me, there's, there's a few standouts, so it's like always was, always will be, because I feel like, you know, that's very close to what I came up doing in the beginning, you know, kind of talking about growing up as a black follower and our history and our present day and what our future is going to look like and stuff like that. So for me, that was very close to why I got into doing this in the first place. So that's, that's a definite standout for me. And then another one, which is um, it's on there, uh, it's called Merriman. And uh, so Merriman was the, like the leader of the UN nation, king of the UN nation. So like for me, it's a, no one, nobody's going to know what that, really means what it is i'm gonna see a song which was called merriman what, what's that but for me i know what it is like i say i'm the king you know what i mean and that's no like i just mean like everyone's a king you know what i mean you just gotta do your thing so i thought like all right let's name this name this after the actual yeah leader and stuff so like again that is close to what, what i do and you know that's close to my roots and that's um that's kind of the shit that makes me makes me different and uh you know to, to the to the rest of the stuff that's out doing stuff like that is, is stuff that I like doing and it's like it's part of my tradition and I'm keeping that alive in a new way for me at the, at the end of the day when I uh you know where, when I hang the mic up I want it all to make sense um you know so like that's kind of that's my process really always was always will be Bitch, I die hard. They can never kill me. Always was, always will be. My team here to stay. Have we got us a kill streak? Look, look, look. I know you little team won't beat us. Any little dude won't see us. Never back down with Jada. What they had now, we cheat up. Ay, murk em, whoa, murk em, ay. Murk em, whoa, murk em. Murk em, ay. Murk em, whoa, murk em, ay. Whoa. I know you little you can check out live bird park in full when it officially unveils tomorrow and you can also grab a listen to some of nookie's tracks right now on the press play mixtape head to our instagram at press play oz to check it all out The Green Room with Tiana Speeder is your ultimate Access All Areas pass. Want to go beyond the press release and really get to know some of your fave celebs from the world of music, acting, and comedy? Subscribe now to catch all the latest episodes. You can find us at euphony.com.au. 
on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you usually get your podcasts. It's about that time on Press Play where we take a quick look at what's viral, trending, or just generally causing a stir in the music world. To start with, UK quartet Glass Animals already kicked off the year with loads of Aussie love with their track Heatwaves taking out the coveted number one spot in Triple J's 2020 Hottest 100. To close out the year, they continue to add amazing Aussie stats to the mix, with Heatwaves also this week breaking the ARIA record for the most weeks in the top 10 of the ARIA singles chart. The monster hit has spent 42 weeks now in the singles top 10, officially taking over from Tones and I record of 41 weeks with her track Dance Monkey. And if that's not enough, Glass Animals have also locked in an Aussie tour next July for their biggest shows yet down under. So get set to catch Heatwaves live in person next year as well. Sticking with the UK theme, the artist most likely to make you cry, the sensational Adele, of course, released her new album 30 late last week. And if you haven't grabbed a listen yet, Pitchfork put into words just how emotional the album and some of its tracks are, stating that the song To Be Loved is a song so gut-wrenching that even Adele can't contend with it. She's left the room when it's been played and she's also apparently vowed to never perform it live. Despite the fact that Adele swept artists like Taylor Swift off the top of the iTunes chart in a mere matter of hours with the long-awaited release of 30, Adele certainly isn't here to officially go viral. In fact, she's publicly stated in a recent video interview with Popbase that while her team was keen to get teenagers on TikTok and the like to know who she is, she's just hell-bent on making music for her generation, publicly stating that she isn't concerned about making music for TikTok and she doesn't actually want 12-year-olds to listen to the record. This is music for adults committing to bettering themselves. And she also said for people in therapy, which makes a lot of sense when you listen to it. But meanwhile, over on Spotify, over the weekend, the streaming giant confirmed huge news that they have officially agreed to Adele's request to change a default setting on the platform, which usually shuffles album tracks in random order when the users hit play. In a bid to allow listeners to listen to albums in full the way the artist has curated and intended, this option is a welcome change for many, but it's also concrete proof of Adele's absolute might and voice in the musical world. As to whether this influence could carry over to enact positive change for streaming financial business models and streaming payments, well, only time will tell. If you are a Spotify user, you can jump in and also follow along with our Press Play mixtape kicking around on there. Head to our Instagram at PressPlayOz to know more. But enough about Spotify for now. Let's go get a taste of this week in musical history. It's time now on Press Play for Rewind and Reissues. It wouldn't be an episode of Press Play without celebrating some musical anniversaries and reissues. And to do so, I'm joined now by Steve Bell, host, of course, of the podcast Rewind with Steve Bell and co-founder of Sonic Sherpa Records. Belly, welcome back to Press Play. G'day, how are you going? Um, very well. It's great to have you here again. And I can't quite believe we're in the last full week of November, but I'm very excited about what you're bringing <laughs> us today. What musical anniversary are we celebrating this week? Um, it's a fun one today. Well, for me, like going back to 1976, so that's 45 years. And it's the day, today, 45 years ago, the band recorded The Last Waltz, one of the great concerts and the great concert recordings of all time. 
She said, I gotta go, but my friend can stick around. Um, they were splitting up, so they decided to do it in style, have one last party. They booked out the Winterland Ballroom in San Francisco, a legendary venue, roped in the singers they'd used to back, like uh, Ronnie Hawkins and some guy called Bob Dylan, as well as some other musical friends, Neil Young, Muddy Waters, Eric Clapton, Joni Mitchell, Ringo Starr, Van Morrison, Dr. John, heaps more. And it was just like something that's never really been done before. There was... Thanksgiving dinner for like 5,000 people, boring dancing, like the whole thing was just this elaborate, beautiful production. Uh, Martin Scorsese, young Martin, he he recorded it. And yeah, it's gone down. It's one of the greatest documentary concert films of all time. Um, the three LP soundtrack is a, is a Roots classic. Yeah, and debauched party too, there's that element to it, you know, that to obscure cocaine from Neil Young's nose in post-production at one point, things like that, you know. These guys are having fun and it comes through. It's an amazing, amazing concert that I would love to be at. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the who's who that performed alone, like, you know, just a few nobodies and directed by another, you know, nobody. I mean, <laughs> seriously, it's legendary. The throw in the fact is directed by Scorsese and the, bus, the behind the scenes moments, like there was a lot of I think close calls with stuff going wrong here and there, but it is obviously a must watch for any music fan, especially, you know, there's so many epic things out there to watch music related lately. And I feel like this is a nice chance to revisit one of the best ones of all time, I would say. It's a lot of fun to watch. And yeah, so many great songs, so many. Um, but that aside, let's go on. We've still got some reissues popping out. Oh, yes. um, David Bowie, The Brilliant Adventure, 92 to 2001, 18LP boxer. Um, it's the fifth. He's been doing a career. Well, he hasn't, unfortunately. Obviously, we lost Bowie, um, sadly. But his people have been rolling out these um, career-spanning box sets. This is number five. Um, covers all the albums in the 90s. You know, there's a couple of good ones outside, The Buddha of Suburbia and stuff like that. There's a whole unreleased album toy that's been a bit of a Bands, uh, Holy Grail for a long time, full live concerts, B-sides and rarities. It's probably out of the price range for us mere mortals. You won't get much change from a 1000 bucks, but if, you, if you're a Bowie fan and, and a well-to-do Bowie fan, this is for you. Um, slightly cheaper, uh, Group Love, an American band that came up, you know, just over a decade ago, and it's the 10th anniversary of their debut, Never Trust a Happy Song. They turned up with a really exotic backstory about having met on in this arts commune in Crete, and um, people seem to really latch onto that. Sometimes you need a hook. Um, the debut album was great; had some really cool songs. I was interested to find out that it only went to number seventy-five in America, but it went to twenty-one here in Australia. So they're another one of those bands that we have adopted a lot more than or embraced more than their home country. Mm. But. Um, it's a really cool album. I used to like it at the time and it's on 180 gram coloured vinyl. I've seen pink and green versions. There could be more out there. Um, another one that's got ties to Australia here, a lot heavier, is uh, Helmet. They've got a new uh, vinyl coming out called Live and Rare. As the name suggests, it's live stuff that hasn't been available before. The New York alt metal post-hardcore loud, loud band. I used to adore them in the 90s. They were incredible. Um, so I had one of this has got a concert recorded live at CBGB in New York, the hometown in early 1990, but side two is recorded live at the big day out in Melbourne in 1993. So there's an Australian link. Well, there's another Australian link because at this early stage, they still had Brisbane guitarist Peter Mengady in the ranks. Um, my only criticism I would say of this, um, BDO recording is, it's after their 92 second album in the meantime, but it doesn't have unsung on it. Like it's not just Helmet's best song, but it's one of the great songs from that era. So the fact that it's not on the recording, I don't know if it's just a partial concert or, or what happened there, but it's oh. sort of a bit mind-blowing. 
controversial, Billy. <laughs> but it would still be. I'm really looking forward to diving into this in due course. And finally, just a bit more family friendly. They're reissuing the Stand By Me soundtrack. Like everyone loves oh. that film and that soundtrack. Um, it's aqua blue vinyl remastered from the original Atlantic tapes. You know, it's got obviously it's got Stand By Me by Benny King. That song rushed back into the American top 10 after the film came out back in 86. Heaps of other old school bangers, Buddy Holly, the coasters, Jerry Lee Lewis, the Cordettes. It's a great batch of songs. And I think a lot of people are going to wind up with that in their Christmas stocking this year. Oh, yeah. And I think it's funny you say that about group love. I am mortified to publicly admit, but I will admit it nonetheless. I actually used to think group love were Australian like really early on, probably like a decade ago. And then I was like, oh, nope, nope, definitely not. But yeah, it's funny you say that. So I feel slightly better about myself. Well, they were here a lot. I guess this was their uh, biggest market or something. So yeah, cashed in. Yeah, well, some excellent ones. Yeah, I don't know about, I would love to say I was going to buy Bowie, but sadly my wallet won't allow it. But please yeah. you to look out for Christmas presents, Belly. You're spoiling us once again. <laughs> <laughs> well, to catch more of the amazing Steve Bell and his staggering musical knowledge and chats with icons around the industry, you can check out his podcast, Rewind with Steve Bell, with the current season diving into something for Kate's seminal album, Echolalia, and many other amazing deep dives into memorable moments from music history. Check out all the seasons at euphony.com.au. Belly, thank you for dropping by again. Thanks for having me, Jan. I'll see you again soon. Gotcha. And now on Press Play, it's time for Singled Out, where we take a look at some of the awesome new and recent singles kicking around out there. And I'm joined once again by Andrew Mast. Masty, what amazing tunes are we exploring today? Well, once again, it was a difficult one. We've, we've, we're leaving good ones out um, just to, to get down to the four that we featured this week. As the albums uh, slow down in releases as we lead up to Christmas, uh, the singles just keep dropping from every direction. So we've got four real corkers here. How's that for an old word? Oh, I'm um, no, bring it back. Another one to bring back. <laughs> I'm starting out with Teen Jesus and the Gene Teasers with a song called Miss Your Birthday. Now, I got to see Team Jesus before the world went to shit back in 2019. They went into that year's big sound as one of the bands to watch. And here we are two years later and they deliver on that promise. This is a big shot of, of adrenaline. I co-write with Alex Leahy and produced by Flylet Soho's Jim James. I was going to call him Jim. I don't think he likes being called Jim. James Tidwell. What an impressive team up this is. And it pays off in the bucket loads. It's got to be the year's most pumped up pop punk effort. It's got sharehouse dramas, driving guitar, tight rhythm section, and a killer, killer chorus. One listen and you're singing along as if it's an old favourite. This four piece from Canberra 2 are really worth catching live. And I know they've got some gigs coming up in summer. So do what you can to catch them and make sure you've learnt this song off by heart to sing along when they play it. I agree. And for me, Miss Your Birthday has more punch than a work Christmas party. It's a sunny, <laughs> rough and tumble delight and it'll absolutely hook you. And it also simultaneously reminds me how many people's birthdays I think I've forgotten this week. So that's that's a fun extra for me. Uh, after that, we've got Myisha and All My Time. So let me set it right. Let me give a smile. Spending all my time on what I can't buy. Last year, Maisha won a lot of accolades for her Naya Ringo album. I ranked it as one of my top albums of 2020. Maisha also last year won the ARIA for Best Soul and R&B Release, four Queensland Music Awards, a NEMA, and was voted Australian Album of the Year by NME and Album of the Year by The Music. So it was big news when she returned really quickly uh, earlier this year with Damaged, a really smooth R&B outing, and it has clocked up over a million plays since May. Now she's dropping a new EP, Smoke, and released another single from it, this one, All My Time. It's like peak throwback R&B. There's a real 90s vibe of TLC or even Desiree conjured up here. Maisha whispers and croons across quiet guitar and a fragile beat, the song's gentle production hides, though, a killer hook, and Maisha's voice just dominates. And the really good news is 
This EP is just the first of a two-part EP series, so we've got more to look forward to very soon. Oh, I'm so excited, and I'm so glad you brought up the TLC thing because that's instantly what I heard, and, uh, you know, who doesn't love a bit of TLC and some 90s R&B like that? And, like, Maisha is such a wonderful energy in the industry, and I think the cutest thing I saw recently was spying her reaction on Facebook when she was featured in a giant billboard in Times Square I mean, it doesn't need to be said my issue is a star, but the levels of clever pop, R&B and cultural empowerment, how can you not adore this amazing artist, honestly? Next up is Laces and a track called Drop Myself. I thought I was stuck in my skin That answers questions from This one drops from NLV Records, which is Nina Las Vegas label, and has fast turned into one of the most innovative club labels on the planet. Originally released as a big sweeping ballad back in March, this collab between the Melbourne producer and Darcy Bayless has now been reworked with two newer names, Love Fear, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Susia. Uh, this track shows what a great ear this team has for stitching together disparate sounds to create a singularly epic track. This Devil May Cry in the Club Mix, good name for a remix, has turned the cut into a breakbeat-driven groove where the beats burst sporadically through the carefully layered dreamlike synths and vocals. They have turned this into a real lose-yourself-on-the-early-morning-dance-floor moment. And it's a precursor to a new EP titled Field Fallacy Haptics, dropping on December 7. Uh, a makeover of Lace's Field Fallacy 16 EP, if I'm getting my new Roman numerals right. It's the XVI EP, so 16, like I'm it. pretty sure. Yeah, that's, that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, With this one, those crystalline blips and woozy vocals, the only way I can describe it, call me Alice because I feel like I fell headfirst into a glitchy wonderland on this one. Crunchy and soft at the same time, and I adore it. Glitchy Wonderland is perfect because it's got a real hallucinogenic vibe and, and it does it. The way it sticks together is a really kind of glitchy arrangement. Yeah, perfectly summed up there. You just, just throwing did... in an Alice in Wonderland reference, just, you know. <laughs> you just did in five seconds what I stumbled around <laughs> for five minutes. No, we got there together. We got there together. <laughs> Now, we're going to end with something completely different. Like, right at the other end of the spectrum from Laces is Rachel Fahim with Darts in the Dark. Sometimes life is like throwing darts in the dark in the dead of the night And I want to believe that the future is bright So I hold on, I hold on, I Sometimes life feels like throwing darts in the dark Missing every sign Rachel is one of the fastest rising stars of country. Fahim is clocking up millions of streams on Spotify. Her website boasts, and I haven't fact-checked this, but her website boasts that she's the second most streamed Australian female country artist only beaten by Casey Chambers. That is in the last couple of years. This song actually came out last week, but the video only dropped earlier this week. So Darts is a co-write that came out of a songwriter camp where she collaborated with Robbie Desar, Ned Philpott and big-time US country writer Rosie Golan. Already described as pure pop perfection by Backseat Mafia, this is anthemic polished country pop that's just, it's just about being as catchy as hell. What makes the song so palatable is Fahim's voice, sitting somewhere between classic country and raunchy rock. I reckon it's going to see her break beyond, well, far beyond country radio pretty soon, or maybe Breaker in America uh, uh, if, if Australia doesn't uh, jump onto this. Yeah, I think, as you know, Master Country isn't always my wheelhouse, but I really love Rachel's brand of, like, she's really sparkly and it's really uplifting and there's little pop elements but also a bit of rock and Darts in the Dark is a perfect meeting point of really buoyant sonic flavours, but it's also a very timely celebration of surviving those low days in life. So much energy, so much vibrant fun. This will no doubt become a crowd favourite when Rachel hits the road again. And I agree, if we don't snap her up, she's going to get a lot of attention overseas in a big hurry, I feel. And I love that you picked up on the theme of the song, something I didn't touch on, because it really it really is a propelling song. It's like 
you can sit back and, and just go for the ride kind of thing. And I and and you can just imagine this breaking out of the country. This this can slot into a, a lot of different areas, this kind of music. Yes, I do concur. And once again, it's so exciting to see so many wonderful Aussie artists absolutely slaying with their songs. A great roundup. And as you touched on at the start, we're only scratching the surface of all the songs kicking around out there this week. But as always, for our listeners, you can grab a listen to all the singles we've featured today and more on our Press Play mixtape on Spotify. Thank you, Masty. Well, that's it for another episode of Press Play today. A big thank you to my co-host, Andrew Mast, and our music history expert, Steve Bell, for joining me once again. A big shout-out as well to our guest reviewer for today, Mick Rad. You can check out more of Mick's work hosting the Tuck Shop on Sydney's 2SER. Just hit up this episode's show notes for more info. And huge thanks as well to our guest artist for today, the incredible Nookie. Be sure to grab a listen to his brand-new EP, Lyrebird Park. It's out via Bad Apple Music this Friday, the 26th of November. Come over and say hi. Press Play is on Instagram and we will keep you pumped full of brand new music releases daily. You can find us at Press Play Oz. That's O-Z for Oz. And while you're there, jump on in and check out our Press Play mixtape on Spotify where all our episode songs and artists can be found as well as a bunch of new tunes that pop up throughout the week. Press Play is still a new podcast. So any follows, subscribes, likes and shares helps us more than you know. So if you do like what you're hearing, jump online, show us some love. And we're also always looking for new releases on the regular. So go and visit our Instagram page or head to euphony.com.au to get in touch. You can catch previous episodes of Press Play plus a bunch of other awesome Euphony podcasts by heading to euphony.com.au or find us wherever you usually get your podcasts from. Love music, Press Play. Catch you next time. Press Play is a Euphony podcast created by Craig Trewick, produced by Tiana Speeder and Andrew Mast. Assistant producer Henry Gibson, hosted by Tiana Speeder. Recorded, edited, and engineered by Zig Parker. Music by Zig Parker. For more information about this episode, go to euphony.com.au. For more Euphony podcasts, visit our website, Spotify, Apple, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts.